I have come that you may share my joy completely. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ has ascended. On this Sunday, Jesus in the Gospel is talking to the Father. And he has said he's come. Then he speaks to us and says, He has come that we may share his joy completely. Beautiful. It is also not only the gospel we commemorate today, but indeed the Council of Nicaea, which met in 325. It was called by the emperor, Constantine, and his desire was to have a religion for his empire, which would unite the people. But he knew that Christianity was spreading fast in the empire, and he himself would eventually be baptized. The Counts of Nicaea is a monument of faith given to us by the Apostolic Church under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it enshrines for us our faith in the Holy Trinity and who Jesus Christ is, truly God and truly man in one person, the hypostatic union. And we are given joy and peace and love through this hypostatic union that because of the hypostatic union, it has a mission to make us all happy, fill us with joy. Now I realize very few people, even among Catholics and Orthodox Christians, treasure the one place on earth where we are close to God in his holy temple, especially at the Holy Eucharist. The Holy Eucharist is heaven on earth. But it takes a contemplative life to appreciate this gift of joy to us that we receive the body and blood of the Lord, food for our journey, which has already made its first steps into the heavens by being able to participate in the heavenly liturgy. For the liturgy, the divine liturgy, is heaven on earth. The beauty of faith is the revelation of the mind of God to us. The beauty of charity is loving his truths, especially in his sacred scripture. Our hope is in Jesus Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, by which we share eternal life even now 
on our journey to the fullness of life in our heavenly home. Some of the fathers say that Adam was rushed out of the garden quickly when he sinned, before he got to the tree of life and ate of its fruit. But we have here the tree of life in the Holy Eucharist. Behind the holy table, we see the great cross of our Lord, the true tree of life, who through that cross, death on the cross, he shed his body, he died in his body and shed us his blood. That same body and blood we receive in the Holy Eucharist. And when he was with us those 40 days with the apostles visiting before the ascension, he was trying to teach them the message of joy, that they should be at peace, that they should stay in quality time with him in prayer and give glory to the Father and the Holy Trinity. It's no small thing that we know about the Holy Trinity. And it's not the Eucharist, beginning, the priest, raises the gospel book and says, blessed is the kingdom of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's telling you that through this divine liturgy, we celebrate our union with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that heaven has come to earth. Now you say to me, well, what's going to happen to me in heaven? You're determining that just now. The way you live is the way you're going to die, and you're going to be judged. And you'll return. how are you going to be for eternity? Are you going to be worshiping, loving, as Paul says, moving from glory to glory in a joy and peace with God, in happiness? Or will the Lord look at you and say, I did everything I could. I sent my son. He died for you on the cross. That same son who rose from the dead, who ascends and says next to me in the heavenly kingdom and feed you on his body and blood for your eternal joy. Why don't you appreciate this more fully? Why don't you give it more attention? In a recent tape I was listening to, the question came up of how, so, how often one should go to the liturgy. And of course, in the Lord's Prayer, he tells us, and he prays to the Father for us, give us our daily bread. He's not talking about the bread that gives us life, that we eat at the table, and he's talking about his body and blood, the bread of life and the blood, the 
that sanctifies and makes a holy person. Years ago, when I was living with my grandparents, usually in the summers when mom and dad were working away from the home, I watched while they, how they ate. It's very wholesome, good food, old country food in the new country. It said the last thing we give up about our traditions as we inherit from our forebears is the food they ate. We remember all that and we oftentimes replicate it. But they also ate the Holy Eucharist. And they made sure that we did that. They made sure that you went to confession and prepared for the gift of the Holy Eucharist. You know, at the table, if a piece of bread fell from the table, my grandfather and grandmother would pick it up and kiss it. They didn't throw it away. They used it for something else or ate it. You couldn't bring your bread. The bread was brought in the house usually in one loaf. And the father, grandfather, especially would cut the bread very carefully. And they used to say in Slovak, the man can't cut bread, he can't make a living. And so in the old country, young men before they went to call on a lady that they were hoped to marry, and he was invited to the family for a meal, he practiced cutting the bread so the father and mother could see, well, this man cut bread or not. Bread is a foundational thing in culture, almost universally, and it's certainly universally in those who believe in the true presence of Jesus Christ, which was universal until it was brought to doubt by the Protestant revolt. And even now by some really uninitiated Catholics who think they're Catholic. What makes us Catholic is the creed, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one sharing of the body and blood of the Lord at the Holy Supper of the Eucharist. With Jesus, the priest, the perfecter and the savior of our souls, who gives us these gifts. It is his joy to see the repentant sinner come forward and receive the body and blood. And it's his joy to present those sinners in all of us, and we're all sinners, to his Father in his prayer, in his love, and he says to the Father, see how much they love us. See how much they adore and appreciate the Most Holy Eucharist. Now, when I was a young person, Saturday was a special day because it was a preparation day for Sunday, which was the Lord's Day. The day we went to church, all dressed up nicely, 
cleaned up. So Saturday, all the children were bathed. So was everybody else in the house. Took a bath. I remember when the uh, children we bathed first, then the men uh, would disappear and the women would take care of themselves. And then later on, the men would, before dinner, they would bathe. And children were sent in the afternoon to confession to prepare to receive the Eucharist. For confession, again, as I've told you, forgive sin, prepares us to receive the Holy Eucharist, and gives us a pledge of help in time of temptation. That was done every Sunday. And most of the Sunday meal we were going to have was prepared on Saturday and just warmed up for Sunday. And after church on Sunday, we'd come home, all the extended family, and there would be a feast, the family feast in celebration of the Lord's Day, a feast of joy, peace, and love. Unfortunately, people do not take the time to prepare for the Eucharist. They don't even take the few minutes to say the prayer before the liturgy in preparation to receive the Eucharist, much less picking up their prayer book the night before and saying the Office of Preparation for the Reception of the Eucharist. Many people do not frequent confession and prepare themselves rightly for the Eucharist. And so their joy is not complete. Jesus says to his Father, he wants our joy to be complete. He wants us to be heavenly Christians, that is, Eucharistic Christians, who stay close to our Lord in prayer, in meditation, in silence in prayer, in preparation for the Eucharist. The monastic life itself has many privileges. First of all, those who are in solemn vows once they take their vows, they are forgiven all sin. Secondly, not in all, but in most monasteries that are completely observant, the Eucharist is celebrated daily, except on particular liturgical days when we have pre-sanctified, or a day like Good Friday, and we learn about the loss of our Lord amongst us. Some of the greatest saints of the church received the Holy Eucharist. They said the priests said their daily liturgy. They did their offices. It was a holier church because of the prayer of all these priests. Everybody has no time for God. Silence is not in their hearts. They do not prepare properly even for the Sunday Eucharist, which is just once a week. How sad. Why should God give you any time 
when you do not have time for him? Why should he give consideration to your prayers when you do not appreciate he died on the cross for you, offer himself as the great gift to the Father, and the Father in turn gives us the great gift of his Son, and we celebrate that Trinitarian relationship the reception of the Eucharist. Oh, Christians, few you are, few who really appreciate, few take the time to be with God and to go to the Eucharist frequently. Sad to say, will you rejoice with the Lord? in his kingdom, for he has given you joy. And that joy is in preparation is in the Eucharist, for the joy of heaven and the joy of receiving Christ in the Holy Eucharist and the blessing of the Father and the gifts of the Holy Spirit who perfects the Eucharist amongst us in the sacred liturgy is your joy. Do not let it become routine. Do not neglect it. For if you neglect God, I just ask you, why should he pay any attention to you? Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.